Hello, beloved listeners. This is Adrian, and I wanted to follow up on something that happened a couple episodes ago. When we first started talking about Lauren hitting the road with Harry and Zara, I said that she was basically trans because she was dressing as a man for her safety. That was a mistake. And I'm very sorry to people who were harmed by hearing um, that sentence and that framework. It's not possible to be trans temporarily as a costume. That's not how identity works. And um, I understand that. And I'm really, really grateful to folks who reached out and helped me to see, turn the prism, understand how that could be harmful. Um, We will not be using that language moving forward. And we want to make sure that no one walks away from this podcast thinking, oh yeah, that's kind of how this works. It's not, she is merely putting on men's clothing for her safety. She's not shifting her identity. She's not (laughs) taking on anything beyond the survival mechanism that she needs in that moment. So we get it. We understand. We're grateful to y'all for listening carefully and for engaging us and holding us accountable to what we believe. Let's keep going. To Octavia's Parables. This is Adrian Marie Brown. And I'm Toshi Regan. And we're your hosts. And we are here for chapter 17. <laughs> we have made it yeah. a ways into this book right now. Um, and for our announcements today, and I don't know if we've announced this yet. Maybe we've announced it once before, but it I think bears repeating, is that the Octavia E. Butler Legacy Network actually has a gorgeous TED Talk that is searchable, available, and animated. <laughs> like it's it's a really gorgeous experience of getting to dive into why Octavia, why read her work right now. Um, and yeah, so we wanted to uplift that. Uh, any announcements for you, Toshi? Yeah. Um, well, I just want to hear hear everything you you just said. And including the announcements. And then I want to also, you know, big up uh, a couple of things that I'm doing. Um, One is the uh, Tune In Festival by uh, CAP UCLA um, with a a lot of um, beautiful musicians, Cronus Quartet and um, McLeet and uh, all of these beautiful people. Um, It was, you know, we were all supposed to be together and uh, Christy Edmonds and the whole crew over there is like, you know, we need to tell these stories and have this music. It's a community-wide expression, um, and it'll be uh, kind of around October 28, 29, 30, 31. It's like a four-day adventure, and you can go to uh, CAP UCLA. I think it's a .edu type of situation. Um, and, and find, and I'll, I'll have it posted on all of my pages. And then I'm going to be doing my Mm. post-election show, um, live streams, November 4th from Joe's pub, 
where it traditionally mm-hmm. is. Um, no audience, but it'll be live music. And um, and so at, look for that and come join us online and and, um, and celebrate our, what I'm sure is going to be complicated victories. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love, I love your you and Joe's Pub. <laughs> <laughs> that partnership has yielded so much fruit. Yeah, um, Joe's Pub. Good news. So here we are, Chapter Seventeen, and um, I think we both feel that this is a chapter where where energy starts to shift. Something starts to shift um, from the crisis, like in the present moment, moment to moment to moment crisis, we start to begin to look up at a horizon. Um, and Toshi, will you give us the earth seed for this chapter? Yeah, yeah. This is, I'm definitely adding a song for this one. Uh, this is Yay. Embrace Diversity, Unite or Be Divided, Robbed, Ruled, Killed by Those Who See You as Prey. Embrace Diversity or Be Destroyed. Earthsea, The Books of the Living, Tuesday, August 3rd, 2027, from Notes Expanded, August 8th. And I mm. I hope all of our, our um, amazing and incredible listeners will, will say this one out loud. Just read it and say it out yes. loud. It is, it is uh, such a um, good medicine for us right now. In fact, this whole chapter is to me. Embrace diversity. Embrace diversity. Embrace diversity. appreciate it, especially in this moment. Um, you know, sometimes we may edit this out, but sometimes I want to share when we're recording something. (laughs) (laughs) And right now we're recording this the day after the first presidential debate. And so last night we got to hear the president, uh, basically send an order out to, um, white nationalists to, Basically, get on get on guard, stand by, stand back, and stand by. Um, and what we see is sort of the the hyperactivity of not embracing diversity. Like what happens when you go to the other end of that spectrum? And we're in the wake of that. 
Um, there was a lot of commentary last night and this morning about, you know, just really seeing very clearly the conditions we're in right now. So I really appreciate the timing of this yeah. verse. Yeah, this verse <laughs> yes. is fire. And I hope we don't cut this out because I think it's, it's really important. And, and when this um, episode comes up, it won't be too far from this right. experience. Um, and I, I feel like so, multiple things happened last night and it's, and it's so yeah. interesting to me. And I thought about, I thought about how um, Octavia placed Lauren in a really like, she made a decision and that decision was so final. Like she was like, this yeah. is not sustainable. Final. She was like, I need a system that, that works for me in the time that I'm in final. She's like, yes. that system will be yes. based on change, which creates fluidity, which creates, you know, um, being able to shape and have a relationship to the entire world and universe. I mean, and that those were really strong and specific um, decisions that set her on like a most powerful course. And I'm mm. I, and when the debate actually happened, I'm going to tell you, I was like, we're not ready. When the when yeah. the debate actually happened and when people were like, I'm going to watch the debate, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> I'm literally the only person in my family who was yeah. like, Why why are we doing this? And and yes. you know, because the thing is is that like when somebody gives you all the information ahead of time, but they know in the vastness of like our systems of communication and our systems of receiving and our systems of 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 comfort for for and I'm not talking about everybody cuz there's a lot of people really mm -hmm. super uncomfortable and like really really struggling and they're like fuck you <laughs> this election and everything yes. but the that the knowing that and even like being tracked and even having manipulations of the amalgam algorithms that we're all participating in we hmm. knowing that we would mush up and be really attached to systems that we're used to and yes. and and expect them and actually familiar. yeah and not break them and mm -hmm. so the debate was late led by Fox News and I was like wait where is our fuck you debate protest like why yes. why aren't we yes. breaking this why are we uh, why are we participating oh. in it why are we debating its relevance like why are we acting like this man did mm -hmm. not come out like what a year or two three ago and say he was a white nationalist exactly he already said exactly. it exactly and every time every iteration all any public thing is for him is a rally like we already have this yes. information we already know it he doesn't he is not a president he doesn't know how to play the the game that biden knows how to play we're all he's not interested he's not in interested it. in it we all have already right. been saying yeah. through our own like understanding of life that we understand that white nationalist militia have been unleashed on the public both independent mm. and within the structures of police forces and um, all law enforcement agencies and the armed forces of america like we already yes. know this is happening and yes what will it take for us like inside of our own, you know, systems of, of living to actually jump past 
the things that we already yes. know as the so, so the debate is going to happen. We're going to talk about it the next day. We're going to say, look what he said. It's the cycle. It's the cycle. <laughs> it's the cycle. And I love, there's a piece of writing that came out, I think yesterday, um, but people can find it. It's on the ink, the dot ink. And it's a conversation between Anand um, Giridharadas. Giridharadas. I don't know how to say it quite right. So apologies if I don't get right. Um, and Sarah Kinzior. Also don't know how to say that correctly. Um, but this is this conversation. The title is America is now a mafia state. Mm -hmm. America is now a mafia state. And the conversation is focused on the ideas that Sarah's bringing. She's a scholar of authoritarianism and a vindicated alarmist is how they present her. And she talks about the distinction, you know, she's like, we've been calling him a fascist. And she's like, that's fine. Um, you know, that's fine in that it like gets people to the level of seriousness. But she's like, a fascist wants to expand and embody the state and usually has imperial ambitions. She's like, Trump wants to destroy the country. He wants to strip it down and sell it for parts. And that's the mafia. Mm -hmm. that's the that mob mentality that it's actually not about patriotism it's not about uplifting anything great it's about like how far can the scam go and that that is authoritarianism and i really appreciated like reading the article i want to read this quote actually since we're here she says we are dealing with a new kind of threat and we need to come up with new measures to combat it yes i encourage people to be very creative in their approach open your mind to the darkest possibilities of what they would do, and then consider what mechanisms you would need to stop them. Don't be hesitant or shy. Know that you're not fighting alone and that there's not one simple solution to this because we're not just battling Trump, we're battling a coalition yes. of corruption amidst deeply broken institutions. Be resolute and flexible and strategic. And I read this and I was like, that's why we're doing this podcast. This is why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> for the awesome it's like reasons. this is the this is our visionary fiction, you know, embrace of looking at one set of paths forward, um, one belief system that could move us forward, which I find really compelling. So, which I think brings us right into this chapter because this chapter is all about Lauren starting to bring Earthseed into the conversation with others. So, can you give us? Summary love. Yes. Um, this is such a great, a great thing for us because basically everything that's happening in this chapter is happening right now. So, yes. you know, I love this chapter. I call this good company on a journey chapter. Um, and yeah. it is, um, it is when they discover the fire that is going to accompany them on their journey. And they see, um, they see, the fire on the hills to the east of us, they say, um, they see these thin, dark columns of smoke and rising into otherwise clear sky. Um, they see buildings, they see houses, they wonder if they're, if they're ever going to like actually have that because they know the fire is going to take all of those structures. And of course it reminds yeah. them of, um, of, of their community in Robledot. It reminds them of the horrible and vicious night, um, Zara is, is crying as they're walking along. Um, she just is remembering everything and losing her child. 
Um, and it also is, is a, a, um, an awareness of like who they're traveling with that once something bad happens and fires happen, um, that it creates a scavenger kind of mob mentality. And you just see people heading towards, um, where the fire was seeing what they, what they can get. They wonder if it's the paints that set the fire. And this is a this is a big strategy um, chapter. This is where they really sit down and start to hash out their agreements and disagreements. Um, Harry wants to do one thing. Lauren thinks they should do something else, and they have to yeah. sit down and talk about it and come up with um, solutions. And yeah. being together and having an awareness that you're just not on the same page for different reasons is is incredible. Um, you know, it's incredible Mm -hmm. that they disagree. It's incredible that they, um, Lauren, who feels so strong about everything, learns to give space to a different, different ideas. And then Zara, who's, who's kind of has the wide view on this, this area, you know, is kind of accepting of both of them as exactly who they are because she doesn't have a strong history with them. Um, this is a love, love zone. Um, Harry and <laughs> Harry and Zara hook up yes. in in you know a beautiful and dangerous way, um, yeah. where this is like good for all of us. I feel like kind of you know I thought about this with um, you know this the simple rules, the simple and hard rules of you know COVID protections, and it's like wear your mask yeah. and stay six feet away from people and wash your hands and don't touch your face and. You know the and and all of these mm-hmm. different things and how a lot of people are very resistant and it's not all the you know extremist militia who are resistant it's a lot of oh, a yeah. lot of our people <laughs> are kind of like I don't need this mask I'm gonna smoke a cigarette in two minutes like you know um, right yeah and like no one wants to be the one who has to wear the mask also yeah which I find you know I have uh, people are like oh y'all need to wear masks because you might be sick but yeah the idea that you might need to wear a mask because you might be the one carrying people don't like well they just made it yeah. made it finable in new york because people are acting out and a large communities we we've been like one or under for a while but um several communities have gone over three and apparently one went up like i don't know some huge amount so now they're uh-huh. now if you get caught in new york city without a mask they they will be like, put a mask on. They will like give you a mask if you don't have it, but you will also get fined if you're resistant. So, um, they, yeah, we, we have, (laughs) we have jumped to that level, but it really is, Mm -hmm. you know, this kind of thing about moving around and, and making decisions that actually keep you safe. And there's no, there's no wiggle room. Like there's none. If you're doing a watch, then you need to do the watch. You can't have sex with the person. You just you can't be doing it over in the corner. Over in the corner, and then it's not private time. You know, and falling asleep <laughs> afterwards. Hello, Harry. We all swooned uh, up and co- post coital. Yeah, no, no, you got to do that watch. Lauren's not here mm-hmm. for that, and she can feel it. Cause why? You know, she's hyper empathy. So she's like, "Whoa, what's going on?" She's like someone just busted. I, I know what's going on. She's like, "Okay, let me get up over here and deal with this." Yeah. So, yeah. um, 
this um I'll just hit some points. I also have to say briefly, I can't imagine traveling with someone who could feel everything like yeah. <laughs> just being like I need privacy. Well, she's but yes, she does you. say I will give you privacy, but I you all need yeah. to do this in the right way. Um yeah. they see the they go to a commercial water station um for the first I think the first time on the journey and uh commercial water stations are really um incredible places there you know when we were doing the opera I was like I imagine them like kind of the day before Thanksgiving when you try to go and buy ham hocks at the butcher and yeah, I don't know if anybody's the ham hock moment. yeah I don't know if anybody's ever done that um my people who have know what I'm talking about like it is not organized <laughs> yes. it's like everybody's not organized. everybody's like yeah. kind of packed in um, and they just want to get like so they can dip their greens with the ham hock. So it's it's a deep like mm-hmm. thing, and um, and it's a place for robberies because obviously people there have some money because they're trying to buy water. And this leads them to their um, first encounter with the Douglases, um, who mm. are a family traveling, um, uh, you know, up the road heading towards Seattle. And uh, they have a baby, and um, they're also a mixed family, Latinx and Black. And they um, and there's some talk about like how dangerous it is again to be like a mixed couple on the highway. Which is, I'm just like, ooh, all the stuff we got going on, and we still gonna be upset about yeah. who people are with. Um, yeah. Reading and writing. This chapter is packed, y'all. Reading and writing that Lauren can read and write is is natividad um is like what <laughs> like that's incredible yes. so lauren um there's dogs um there's lauren's water in- infiltrate inf- how do you say this word lauren base filtration. filtration system lauren builds mm-hmm. one um on the beach um to create drinking water um this it's so much happening here um, yeah. and a beautiful, again, bumps in the road where you, you know, I think, let me just start with this, this, this thing that happens when they're at the water station, uh, someone yeah. tries to rob Natividad and Lauren, um, helps. And, um, that's the first time that, that, that family notices Lauren's group. And as they're traveling, that family sticks very close to them. And right. Lauren is is read as a <laughs> as being a man, and Travis mm-hmm. is like, "Thank you, man," and all of this man. Um, they all mm-hmm. rest at the same beach, and Lauren um, asks her trio, "Should we invite them to to come and be with us?" And she does, and they say no. Um, mm-hmm. But when they get attacked by dogs and um, are saved by Lauren, Harry, and Zara, they change their minds. And changing conditions. Changing conditions. And so this is like a really beautiful, um, you know, complicated bonding of two groups that were traveling separately um, Mm -hmm. up the road. Yeah, with similar vulnerabilities Mm -hmm. and similar needs. And I think there's so much in this around, like, how do you start to feel for Right, like what's happening at a visceral level, a felt sensibility that someone is trustworthy or not. Um, 
what are the signs that someone is trustworthy? You know, what are the things that makes Lauren like, oh, these fe- these people I can go help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, I can count on that. Um, I also love that when they go to the water, when they're on the ocean, that none of them have ever seen the Pacific Ocean That's before, right. which I think is also really indicative of the time and the conditions that it's um, none of them know how to swim. And even though they're all in California, uh, none of them have ever seen that body of water before. And I think, I think of that now that I've had that experience of doing trainings or doing outreach and organizing in the Bay and in LA and coming across people who had never been to the water. (laughs) Um, And that it was just like, there's, again, to me, this is one of those beautiful ways that Octavia shows like the conditions, when the conditions are dire, when the conditions are scarce, um, there's a lot of those things that we might take for granted that don't happen. And then how all of them are like, okay, we're camping on the beach. We're going to be here. And just, I don't know, there's something about it. I always imagine the sweetness and the wonder and the awe of that first experience of seeing the ocean. Yeah. Um, under these conditions where there's fire at their backs. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is something else. I think it's, um, I don't, I I mean, maybe it was, it wasn't this fire. Maybe it was the one like a couple of years ago and they had the line of cars like coming out of Malibu. Like everybody had to escape. And if you could see like the fire, um, along, on each side of people and uh and I was there and I probably said this at some point in the podcast y'all but I was there and I was supposed to be in Topanga and you have you Uh know and it was like so many you know and I wanted to stay in Malibu because there's a really um beautiful cute hotel there that I, I stayed in before and um and I was just thinking, wow, what if you had gone there? And what if this had happened? And what if this had happened? And yep. so to just really understand like this, these fires, however they get started, I mean, people, Callie can tell you so much more because they've had to create so many systems around them. And yes. to see this, these groups of people like start to be like, okay, we don't actually know about this life, but how do we, yep. how do we create systems around what we don't know? Um, yes. And I, there's a song that's in the opera for um, Travis and the TV dot called some, some, something, sometimes you gotta, gotta, what is it? No one can tell you when to run. Sometimes you gotta do what, what you never done before. Like sometimes mm-hmm. somehow some, something you never done. That's what it is. Something you never done. You got to learn how to do. There could be like so many songs in this chapter, but yes, I'm like, let's do all of them. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it's interesting yeah. because it's like there is a moment. I'm always like, what's the before? What's the before? Mm-hmm. And there's inside of the before is like room. Like you're not quite at the place where it's it's, you know, you can't the fire's like next to your face. You're there's room for yes. you to think about like what to do and the douglases are 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 like that's who they are the douglases actually were working in a working for a family and they mm-hmm. were they actually had money and their their condition wasn't like crazy 
except for the 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 man in the family was trying yeah. to get with Natividad and they had to make a decision. Do we stay yes. here and like end up killing this man or do we leave? And yep. they got money from the wife and they packed up everything and left. So that's like a decision inside of some space. You know, they didn't wait exactly. for it to get the worst it could be. They were like, it's better for us to take our resources and take our our physical selves and move now than stay here for the worst thing to happen. I well also because I think this chapter does a great job of also letting us see like all who all is on this road, and that it's not like it's not like oh there's still Amtrak and people are flying around and all this other stuff. It's like this is the way people are are moving from place to place, yeah. um, and to think about that this family is just like, oh, you know, I think it's such a beautiful thing about this is a migration story. This is what happens. This is how people end up as immigrants. This is how people end up as refugees, as people who are trying to cross borders and move by foot their whole family. Because it's like the conditions move and move and move until it's like, okay, it's clear that the best conditions for our family are somewhere else on the other side of a great risk. And we're going to have to take this great risk and we're going to have to, you know, count on learning the things we need to learn in order to go, which is always important to me. Cause I think sometimes people look at folks who are doing migration they're like, well, why didn't they know how to do this? Or mm-hmm. why did they make this choice or something? And it's like migration happens under duress. It happens under pressure. It happens in less than ideal conditions. It happens with people trying to figure out as they go, how how do we do everything we're doing and constantly being in on new ground, which is also what I love about the camping at the beach yep. and the moving. It's just like we're constantly in. We've never been in these conditions before. How do we create community in these conditions? How do we identify in these conditions? And this part is like there's so many people in the world right now who are doing exactly this journey. They are making their way by foot with a family or with whoever they are rolling with and trying to make their way to safety, often north to safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels so visceral the way she Octavia gives it to us. Like, she these are the considerations and this is how much you're learning in real time. She is, and she's trying to give you um, these, like there's more than this this to-go bag, you know, of things. Yeah. She's trying to to tell you like, you have to engage kindness and you have to engage yes. all these other things in order to survive. Yeah. And also like class wise, that's one of the things I also love about her because there's, there's, you know, people who have nothing and there's people who obviously got to go to the store and buy some things. And there's people, yeah. you know, who know who, who are able-bodied and can walk um, without like, you know, they, it's hard, but they can walk. And there's people who like, you're like, mm, I don't know if they're going to make it. Like there's all of these yeah. different kinds of, of situations happening. And, you know, in our before, before people who have a luxury, um, or have the wealth, uh, have the currency to be in homes now to be, you know, functioning with their cars, going to work, things like that. This is a, 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 you know, you start to realize, oh, this is a a really great time where we actually can activate on some of these conditions 
um, from where we are right now, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. if we still need to debate like, you know, abortion and we still need to to debate like um, issues of racism and and things like that, like those need to be forefront. Um, But we're not going to also simultaneously contextualize it in the reality of what is happening to to Mm -hmm. us and this country like you know then we're we're gonna be eventually possibly on these roads you know in our different conditions trying to get somewhere else and she's trying to tell you like embrace diversity is is like it's the command of our era it is like you, you you can do that and you take away so many weapons you take away so many weapons against you and mm-hmm. and you can yeah that, you take away so many weapons against you and you end up in alignment with a wider group of people who have no interest in, interest in your demise like that's not even yes. their agenda uh-huh. they may not agree with you 100% but they like literally can live with you <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> don't... and i think that's such an important hugely important piece and something i i don't feel as we're not in super great touch with right now, right? Is this idea, you know, a lot of us walk with a ton of fear of each other um, for good reason, but fear that makes it impossible to see beyond the constructs we've been sold and beyond the ways that we have been divided from each other. Um, And I think it's such a liberating thing that, that Octavia offers, and she's very consistent with this, is you don't know who you're gonna end up with you need to be able to assess if they're the right people to be with mm. and to travel with. And you need to know, like, trust is built by sharing what you really believe in, what you really care about, and not demanding that everyone believe the same things. That's right. But can we coexist? Can I believe what I believe? Can you believe what you believe? And can we live? Can we move towards life? Can we move towards survival? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know... Yeah, I feel like that's a big one yeah. for us. And, you know, I, I'm i always, you know, always, I keep saying this in almost every conversation I have, but I feel like the antidote is like right on the other side of the wall. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like poke, mm-hmm. oh, there it is. And mm-hmm. it's this, you know, breaking up, that painful breaking up that I feel like I have to do with this idea that there's some kind of wave of, of savioring that is going to happen to around the conditions that we're in, Uh you know, that, that like every, you know, even when we look at conflicts around the world, we're like, who's going to save those people? Like who's going to save the Amazon, (laughs) you know, like who's, who's who's going to do it? And it's not it's not even in the news and really that much. I have to search for it because I always am trying to keep track, you know, but who's you mm-hmm. know, where is that going to come from? Where's the coalition of, you know, multiple countries that putting their foot down and like, look, we all need to breathe on this planet. And this is one of our best resources. And so where's the resolution yeah. around that? And so breaking up with the idea that there that people who have attained that level of power and resources from being elected to their governments by their people who are paying their taxes so that they can have jobs and money and control, well, all of the things, those those people will not do that in this era. That's not what they're doing. 
Some of them are, no. but most of them are kind of like in some kind of coalition of massive destruction. And it's not just Trump. It's like, it's an, right. it is a huge network of government and corporate and funded by us and our, right. you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, what? Well, and it's a huge, it's like a double edged sword because it's like funded by us, supported by us. Like we approve or are complicit with it, but we also don't want to take responsibility for it. So that feeling of like someone else is going to come along and like make it better, fix it, take responsibility for it. We want to blame others. Um, and I think so much of what Octavia is pointing to is like, we have to take responsibility. And I always think of this quote, Grace Lee Boggs, uh, one of my great teachers and mentors, she said that you cannot change any society unless you take responsibility for mm. it, unless you see yourself as belonging to it and responsible for changing it. And I always feel called out by that <laughs> because Every I'm like, day. America, I'm a post-nationalist because this blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, okay, but also I live here. I benefit from the um, privileges of living here and I... I struggle under the oppressions of living here and I'm responsible for here right now. That's where I am. Right. Yeah. So I think there's, I always feel that called in of like, right. We are responsible. Even if we're furious, we are responsible and being responsible. It's not enough to just believe we're responsible. We have to take action on that responsibility, which I think this is a moment where a lot of people are waking up to that. Yes. Um, and recognizing it's not enough to sit in our living rooms and be apoplectic about what's happening on the screen. We actually have to begin to take all the small actions yes. um, and to develop the different belief systems, like not just an against, but a toward. Yes. Um, and here there, there's so many parts of the way that they are, that Lauren is engaging with these new people, sharing Earthseed with them. Um, little pieces of Earthsea, beginning to let them in on what she believes. And it feels like these are ways in which she is starting to say, I have a vision. I'm taking responsibility, not just for us surviving, but for us moving towards destiny. Yes. And, and uh, that is, that is, that is so beautiful. Thank you. I'm really moved by that. And I, I want us to also, again, Embrace diversity, unite or be divided, robbed, ruled, yes. killed by those who see you as prey. Embrace diversity or be destroyed. And I think that, you know, mm. by those who see you as prey is like the line <laughs> that I'm feeling, yes. you know, that part. after the responses and after, you know, the again, um, behavior of of um, the president of the unit, current president of the United States, declaring once again what has been declared: we are all seen as prey, and yes. we are all seen as prey by multiple systems that we use and engage with. Um, yes. We are we, and the land itself is seen as the prey. land itself is seen as prey. Embrace diversity is an antidote. You know, it's an antidote towards towards that and towards us, um, mm. you know, uniting um, ma majority of things um, on the planet, I think we're united on. I think we're not in disagreement about air and water and all sustainability resources, you know? So I feel like 
this is to me, this is a chapter where everything turns is where they, they start to get good at where they are. They start, you know, like it was horrible. They're traveling with grief. They're traveling with wounds. They're creating new wounds from walking so much. And then they all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're starting they see a fire and they see the ocean. It's like <laughs> they're alone, but then they meet new people. They help people. People doubt them. They're starting to activate in all of these ways that we would maybe call, you know, basics like reading and writing is now like mm-hmm. not a basic thing. So the fact that they're uplifting that, they're still alive. They're still breathing. They're still loving. They're still trying mm-hmm. to activate love. They're still doubting. Um, but their minds can still be blue- blown and their intellect and creativity can get them through each step on the journey. And through, right? That. And through all of that, that living on the journey, your disagreements and your agreements will surface mm-hmm. and they will change as you keep moving. Mm-hmm. I, chapter 17, yo. Mm. Got it going on. Got it going on. Um, <laughs> so some questions I have for this chapter. Um, I, because uh, I also, I really love this chapter. One of the questions is, how do you know you can count on others? And how do they know that they can count on you? And how do you know that they can count on you? Mm. <laughs> right? So that trifecta of questions for me feels really important that, um, you know, that experience they have of of her going to sleep and waking up and realizing that Harry and Zara have been doing the doing doing the doing the brown um, instead of staying focused on watch and that count on abilityness and the fact that she doesn't lead them you know she's not like oh, you know that's it I can't count on you but there really is a like okay we have to make some adaptations here in order to figure out how we're going to do this because I need to be able to count on you. In the same way that I want to be able to offer that you can count on me, that my life depends on you doing what we all agreed to. So I think that question, I often think this comes up in the context of teams and groups and even families, mm. is do you do what you say? Are you a count onable person? Um, and, you know, as I've gotten older, I keep thinking like, I don't even need someone to always do what they say, but I need them to be able to be accountable. Right. <laughs> you know? So I was like, oh, I, I can't do what I say. I have a good friend who often will sign on to do something with me, do a project with me, and then not do the project. <laughs> but <laughs> there's always deep enthusiasm and there's always really good reasons for why not. And it's all good. Like mm. now I know that I mostly, when when this person says, oh, I want to work on that with you, I mostly just take it as, cool, you're excited that this is happening. Yeah. And I'm not going to put a bunch of eggs in the basket of that excitement. I'm going to actually let that excitement just be fuel for the project. Um, and it's something has relieved in me, right? That I'm like, I can count on that person to really truly authentically be excited. Right. But I wouldn't count on them to like meet a deadline on a project together. Mm-hmm. And figuring that out, um, and then also figuring out for myself, you can count on me if I'm really into something. And if I'm not, <laughs> you can count on me to like be like, mm, I'm going to cancel this because I'm not actually interested anymore. <laughs> like, you, I feel like people can count on like, I'm not there if I'm not really interested. If I'm really into it, 
if I really want to be there. I'm curious to see what that looks like under increased survival conditions where I'm like, I don't like this (laughs) and I still have to be count honorable. But what about for you? What's a way that you know that people count on you or? I don't know. I mean. Or that you know you can count on someone else. I definitely have, they they count on people um, in abundance. And, um, uh, And I have like people who I didn't know were in that tribe. And when uh, COVID happened, I can't tell you how many people mm-hmm. reached out to me and were like, are you okay? And do you need anything? Yes. And people were concerned that if I could like, cause they know like, I have issues of, of walking. And several people were like, I don't live far from you. I'm happy to go to the store for you or do anything. Um, mm. And I think I, I definitely can count on my, um, close family, which again, we all mm-hmm. kind of checked in with each other and, and said what we're doing and um, supporting each other and making plans together. And and, um, and I feel like, you know, that I people can count on me, you know, and I, I'm like, wow, maybe we should ask other people. Can <laughs> 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 you count on me? I know. Um, a lot of... I, I think it actually is a great... I, th- I actually think that's a really nice piece of homework you just created, Tush. Yeah. Is to yeah let's let's give our re- uh, let's give our listeners a little piece of homework here that we also can do ourselves which is asking the people in your life that you want to be in that kind of relationship like i want you to be able to count on me yes and i want to be able to count on you and just getting that assessment like do you feel like i'm someone you can count on um and if not you know what what would that look like what could that look like how could we increase our count on ability with each other. I love that. You know what? Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I think one of the reasons I love it too is so much has happened. And I wonder if we're talking a lot about what has happened and not enough mm-hmm. about like some of the systems that we've created in reaction to it. And if we've, yeah. if we haven't like, you know, um, to our, to our community people and our, our people that we feel like we're accountable to and who are accountable to us. If we yeah. haven't actually had a chance to say, you know, this is how I've shifted in this um, as we've moved along. And and I said that just as like mm-hmm. some more helicopters are flying um, in our neighborhood of Crown Heights, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and how used to um, helicopters I've become when I used to be like, oh, something's wrong. <laughs> yes. And yeah, now it's just like, and I'm like, well, you know, but it's not, it's something is still wrong. (laughs) Something's wrong. There's a crisis going on. Something's wrong. Yeah. It's sirens, helicopters, ambulances. Don't get used to that. I used to stop and do a prayer every single time I heard anything, you know, just be like, Godspeed, watch over whoever it is that's in that crisis. Um, Now I'm not in a place where I'm hearing as much, but it is like, how do you stay in touch with? Yeah. Even that is a count on ability, right? Like, can I count on my own practices for grief, for caring for the collective and not just myself? Yes. You know? Um, and I also think there's one here, this connects to the next question. It's like, are you count onable when it comes to communicating your boundaries and your needs? Mm. Um, and as those shift. So, you know, the question I have here is, um, Harry and Zara are like, we need to hook up. And it's like, are you mature enough 
um, in how you communicate to ask for a private time, (laughs) you know, like, are you able to say this is that, you know, I need time for intimacy now and not feel ashamed or, you know, that you need to hide that. Um, this is a, a, I love the way that this ends up getting modeled here. It's beautiful. Is that, you know, Lauren is like, I, this is fine. And this is normal. This is, I understand it. Um, and I can feel it and I can actually support and hold the boundaries here. So that's a question I have for our listeners is, are you able to make those, mm. those requests? You know, like I find myself, even as like, I'm the pleasure activist and everything. I still sometimes struggle with that. Like, you know, telling my friends, like, I actually have to go because it's time to have sex mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll see you later or whatever. Um, that there's still something a little hidden inside of me there. Um, so I think that is an important one. Yeah. Important question. And then this one is how do you decide who to trust? Um, how do you decide who to trust? So beyond like, I can count on you to do tasks or keep agreements. It's, can I trust you with my deepest beliefs? Can I trust you with um, understanding my weaknesses? Um, Can I trust you with, yeah, knowing my vulnerabilities? Mm. Um, Can I trust you to keep my secrets, keep the things that I want to have be private, private? Um, And then in this scenario, Lauren is needing to pass as a man and still doing that while they get to know this other family. And Harry, um, there's this funny moment where Harry's trying to remember the pronouns that Lauren needs to use, which feels very modern. (laughs) And it feels like, well, we're in this moment of trying to, I'm like, can I trust other people to cover um, me in the way that I need to be covered? And in this exploration of Lauren transgressing gender norms, I think there's a few questions around like the technology of that, Um, you know, and when every time I reread this, I'm like, could I pass as a man? You know, could the people close to me pass as a man if they needed to? Could they pass as something other if they needed to? What survival technology here is available to me? And then how skilled are you at pronoun accuracy? Like when someone tells you these are the pronouns that I use, those are the pronouns that I am, are you able to actually adapt and quickly use those? especially if you made a different assumption or if you knew someone with different pronouns initially. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one that it's great practice. I feel like now, at least in movement spaces, this has become a common practice that you meet someone and you get to learn and you get to be in the practice of that. But I like the idea of practicing it as if everyone's survival depended on it. Mm-hmm. Like, right. <laughs> it's just like, actually, um, you know, really paying attention to this person's safety. It often does. And I think that that's when we can be in a, in a sharper practice around. Yeah. I love the question around mm-hmm. trust because I, I kind of like developed this idea that, that trust had to do with myself and, and, uh-huh. and how much I believed and trusted myself and that, yes. um, and that therefore the, 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 the things or issues or conditions I collaborated with were handed to someone were actually in real time activation. Yes. So it's like, you know, it's, it, 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 as soon as it leaves me, it becomes something else in real time activation. And I was like, yeah. and, and that is almost like no longer trust. <laughs> it's something else. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. 
And like the trust is inside of me. And then I have to get trustworthy with myself in order to release this, this, you know, inside something out. And then it's, it's handed, I love you know, that. it's handed to someone else. And then it's that person's business, right? Oh, to- Toshi <laughs> just said to me, blah, blah, blah. Um, or Toshi just fed me a line to sing. And then it's, mm-hmm. it's that person's um, decision to, you know, activate whatever is in their system to try to sing back that line to me um, mm. in a way that like, you know, we can sing together something I just handed over. And that's, and I think like when I do that, then I release this idea that, that somebody is, that somebody not being able to do something is going to break what I have, oh. you know? So it's like, <laughs> so you just, sometimes you just like fell me with tenderness. Like I just, I'm like, okay, well that's, that tree is down. Because <laughs> I'm going to not cry, but that is so beautiful. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's profoundly it. Because I know people who love me so much and will like do so much and they just have fucked up so badly with me. It's unbelievable. Yes. And it's never yes. because of, of me. And it's never because right. of like trust. It's because once right. I release something and I'm like, here, you can have it if you want. It goes into their yeah. system, which is about their capacity and their Life, trust system their, and their everything. Yes. And I truly believe like those relationships I have, people are doing their best, you know, to be yes. in their own capacity of themselves. And so I have been hurt, you know. And I, I have been yeah. put in dangerous positions when that doesn't work, you know, mm-hmm. um, but those people I'm still with, you know, because I have a, yes, a great yes. understanding that, you know, the places where they, they couldn't hold like what I, what I wanted, desperately wanted them to hold, um, really was not an attack on me specifically, but a, a, a way that they could not handle their whole systems and do that. And mm. in some ways I have to check myself, like, what am I giving people? Like, is this a good thing to give somebody? Like, do they want this? <laughs> do they want this right, secret? Right, I love you know? that. <laughs> it's like, wait, <laughs> you know? have I overburdened you, baby? Yeah, have I, <laughs> yes, you know, and I do feel I like love that, that often. And I love the practice mm. Everything in this, this, um, and you just added another one, but in this, in this novel, there's several times where you actually practice, you go to practice, you know, they go yes. to practice how to leave their community in Robledo and then, um, and then come back and everybody come back, you know, they go to practice yes. shooting cause we going to have these guns. Um, there's a suggestion to practice, you know, martial arts so that you're good at hand-to-hand combat. There's a practice of gardening. There's a safety practice. There's the bell practice. There's the nighttime watch practice. There's the practice that Lauren and Harry start to formulate as they're moving. There's the watch practice. And there are practices upon practices. And so you've added this one about um, pronouns and, and getting really, like really practicing, getting very fluent which requires getting fluent and listening, um, fluent and listening, receiving and repeating, fluent in all of these different skill sets yes. that that will only, um, you know, vibrate us to another level. So I, I love, mm. I love that as well. I love that 
you know, Tushy, uh, <laughs> I mean, this piece around trust, you know, trust, I think, is like one of my favorite areas of scholarship right now is how do we practice it? And I think what you're breaking through is it really is that, you know, the cliches, right? Don't take things personally. Um, you're actually not responsible for how people react to you, mm. you know, but you, you have to trust yourself to still be true to be true to yourself. And I think so much of everything to do with the parables is about this young woman choosing to be true to herself, to true to what she sees and feels and believes. And I think that's the other piece. And maybe we can, we can end here, but is believing in something so deeply and then trusting what's coming to you, even if it doesn't align and make sense with the world you can see around you in, in this moment. Yes. Um, I think a lot of what our folks need to be able to do right now, a lot of what we are all needing to practice right now, because this pandemic is happening to all of us, is believing in that next world, believing in our visions, believing in what we are constructing and dreaming and building together and not taking it personally if someone's not there yet. Not taking it personally if someone's not quite ready yet, which is very hard for me. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> liberation is this way. Everybody, come on. <laughs> um, and it's just like, yeah, everyone's got to move at their own pace. And actually, each of those paces is a crucial part of how we will get wherever it is we're going. Um, so I feel like that piece around like, you're not responsible for convincing everyone else to move the way you're moving, you're responsible for moving that way. Mm. And I, I have been really working on living into this, that I'm like, I can't convince everyone to do anything. Mm. <laughs> I'm not in charge of the world, um, which my therapist reminds me every week. But <laughs> I am responsible for living into my piece of work, right? Yeah. And doing that, doing that with accountability, trusting my, trusting my, questions and my not knowing as much as I'm learning to trust my knowing. Mm. Um, mm. I sure do love this podcast with well, you. This podcast is my everything. It's such a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. I'm grateful. Um, all right. So I think we did good by this chapter. I'm very excited that we're going to get some more music in there. Yes. Um, uh, from you. And uh, Octavia's Parables is hosted by Toshi Regan and Adrian Marie Brown, produced by Kat Aaron with show art from Krista Franklin. Music on Octavia's Parables, Always See the Stars, performed and written by Toshi Regan. Embrace Diversity, performed by Toshi Regan and Bernice Johnson Regan and written by Bernice Johnson Regan. There's a New World Coming, written by Bernice Johnson Regan with additional lyrics by Toshi Regan, performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower with lead vocals by Shana Smalls. And thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. There's a new world coming every time.